Hi, my loves. Welcome to Gabby's Light, and I'm your host, Gabby. Today, we're going to be exploring social justice, self-love, spirituality, and mental health. On today's podcast episode, I'm bringing on somebody very special. I'm bringing on somebody I met from the Diosa Mastermind that I did with Christine Gutierrez, um, and her name is Jasmine Sanchez. And again, I dedicate this podcast to those folks who want to learn, develop themselves, their consciousness, and advance in their soul level and heal themselves as well as the folks around them. But really, healing begins with yourself. And so I believe that everybody has the right to knowledge and the right to educating themselves about who they really are, what they came here to do, and how to advance on the soul level and consciousness level and so that's my purpose of my podcast i hope you all enjoy and again i must mention that i'm having a 50 percent off sale of my candles and so if you're interested in that make sure you check that out um when you support me you're, you're supporting a small business and so it really really means a lot to me and thank you so much for those of you who are tuning in and I'm extremely grateful for you all. Thank you so much. All right, everyone. So we're going to get to our oracle reading. So today's message from the numerology deck is manifestation. Okay. So maybe there's something in your life that you want to manifest. Maybe you don't know how. And so let's pull another card from the my Louise a oracle card called how to love yourself let's see what comes up in regards to the things that you want to manifest or maybe something that's coming into full fruition into your life and the card i picked today is the affirmation is i trust and know that all is well in my world so try to maybe practice a mindful meditation some grounding exercises and know that the divine right action is guiding you exactly to where you need to be and every moment of the day i know that whatever the outcome is it is perfect for me and everyone concerned so just know that everything is working in your favor everything is working exactly the way it's supposed to the universe is conspiring to give you exactly what you need in your life so that's going to take you to your manifestation and your desires so that's the message for today for the oracle reading jazz thank you for joining me i want to show immense gratitude for you coming on here today and just kind of taking time out of your day to just be here and show up and really share your experience as a social worker and reiki healing practitioner it's a very unique perspective and an insight of your life and what got you here. So thank you for that. If you don't mind just sharing a little bit more about yourself, tell us about a little bit about who you are. Sure. My profession is social work. I've been doing social work 17 years. So I'm definitely uh, saying a lot about my age. <laughs> it's social work, it's funny because when I was going to undergrad, I tried a lot of different things, but psychology was always in the forefront for me and wanting to learn about why we do what we do. I took a lot of classes and I thought I wanted to get into education, but I really didn't. I, I always knew that I wanted to work more one-on-one. -on -one. I've been working with predominantly 
children. I was working at a hospital for a few years, maybe like four years, and I went to a nonprofit, and that was very overwhelming. And then I decided to apply to grad school. I applied to grad school. I started going to grad school full time because I was laid off from the uh, nonprofit. Thank God. <laughs> talk, talk about divine timing. Um, <laughs> right. And I went to grad school full time, unemployed, uh, a new car I was paying. I, I've been hyper independent my whole life. So I was... Uh, paying rent, car, going to school full-time in finding a job. And then once I took care or that situation gradually ended, uh, I ended up getting a job, like three of them all at one shot. And that's what landed me the working in the school system. So I was working in a high school for five years. And it was super rewarding. Um, I, I loved every minute of it. I learned a lot, but I burned out really fast. I felt like I was working in an emergency room and constantly putting out fires. And I've always been super empathic and uh, just trying to navigate a lot of like egos and get things that get things done that kids needed. And it was more a lot about creating relationships and stroking eagles and you know trying to go around in circles and a labyrinth to get what I needed so I did that for five years but I became extremely exhausted and holding up the mirror as much as possible but with the little kids you have more of an opportunity to influence and it was so great and then the pandemic hit and we went remote. So I had to shift in a whole different way. And that really changed my life in a very positive way because I have like, I have other friends that are, you know, writers and journalists and, you know, they do all different types of work and they work from home. And I'm like, I can never do that. Like, I wish I was able to do something like that and have more flexibility and it's not easy by any means because it was such a hard transition but I got it done and I pivoted and I worked with the kids I found different ways to work with them I was doing yoga with them at home and singing and dancing and trying to move that energy out because they were stuck home and it was torture for them and it was definitely torture for me as I was adjusting I know I totally agree I think that thank you for sharing I think that this pandemic really changed a lot of dynamics and a lot of people's lives and especially the young the young children because you know I myself work with kids too and I find it difficult when kids sometimes have a difficult life at home and sometimes their parents aren't able to give them the resources that they might need changed your role as a social worker and what does that look like now well I feel like I was a lot of hands-on before and it's it's a job that is extremely taxing and there's you have to make connections and there just has to be you know I thought that there has to be like this one-on-one in-person life I never thought that I can shift into doing what you know what I'm doing now like living a life on zoom (laughs) so it just made me like pivot and look for alternative ways to do the same job that I was doing on you know in person with them and trying to keep them engaged and you know providing a safe space for them to like you know have their moments and I feel like it transitioned better than expected 
for me at least I know that for a teacher and the classroom setting that was a horror show I bowed down to them and you know um because there were some teachers that were that pivoted in such a way that it was extraordinary to see you know superheroes all the way and I don't know if I would have been able to do the same that they did on that level because it's a different scenario when you're seeing a kid one-on-one then you have a classroom of like 20 kids and 20 and then you know kids that have special needs and that you know are like you said you mentioned that was a big one for us having problems at home um and school for most of the kids that I worked with on a high school level or even at a younger level was a safe haven for them it's like sometimes you know for most kids where they ate their first meal and Mm -hmm. you know where they had someone who was you know loving to them and just you know that was what I experienced the most it was pretty heavy um I'm not gonna lie there was a lot of stuff that I ran groups um we ran bereavement or grief groups and the kids we started to do social emotional learning which was so overdue it's crazy how this happened and then it became like all right we need to do this in emergency 911 right now but this Mm -hmm. is something that I, I feel like I've been advocating or wishing that I saw years and years and years ago because there's this terrible focus on this structure that is so old and that is not really with the times that we're living now and like standardized tests and all this pressure on the teachers and on the kids and less learning time and the thing is that we you know living on this planet everything is fragmented everything has like its own box and the reality is that you know everything is connected in our mind our body our soul Like, if you had a bad morning, you're not going to be focused enough to take in information from what the teacher is trying to teach you. And it's so basic, you know, in the grand scheme of what life is really about. I definitely agree with you. Thrive. And, like, the the reason I say that is because sometimes I feel like the structure was not really intended for us. And so I do agree with that. We've had a lot of systems in place where that haven't been working. And so I just feel like this pandemic just amplified everything. It definitely did. Had I had to becoming more involved with parents because they were just at their wits end, you know, and and if you have a child that has multiple disabilities and you're home and you know, it's just so many it's such a big dynamic of things that are, are in play. Um, so teaching a lot of self-care to these parents and like, you know, even as simple as taking a deep breath and taking a beat, like I like to say, like a break and just like yes. go walk around the living room, go to another room, like do what you need to do to take care of yourself and center yourself, ground yourself to get back and helping these kids. But I saw a lot of amazing parents like do some great stuff and really get involved and also I think the biggest thing that I noticed as a social worker working in a school system was that parents started to really appreciate teachers and see what they do because sometimes the expectation and that you know the inability to put themselves in that role sometimes caused a lot of conflict and I was the one that was resolving those conflicts all the time like trying to help out like look this is what's happening and look I understand and da 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 but I think this really helped amplify vision of what was happening in the schools and the work that these teachers put to educate kids under the most stressful 
circumstances. They they go through so much pressures and also lack resources as well. So there's so many things that go into play. School and like not really know what happens after that. Um, and so it, yeah, this pandemic really put that into perspective. But I know you mentioned that you've worked with younger kids, you've worked with the older kids, so you have a really good you know, understanding of that spectrum. So what do you think has been the most difficult part of being a social worker, if you don't mind? No, I think the word, um, the most difficult part is just working in systems that are set up for the BIPOC community to fail. <laughs> so, I mean, it's just that, you know, it's, it's I don't want to say simple, but it's that obvious. I am... You know, I was put on this planet with an intolerance to deal with justice. I just cannot see it without saying something, without advocating, without, you know, it's so innate in me to to speak up for things that are unjust. And I, working in the school systems, you know, I it also brings out a lot of your own, a lot of my own unhealed trauma I actually grew up in the same system that I work in I remember being this is a story that this is one particular teacher she used to teach like fourth grade or something and I was I was maybe like second third grade and like for being a kid and seeing this awareness like (laughs) that was pretty deep so fast forward like 30 something years this woman's an administrator and the same feeling that I had as a kid now, like I, I see this, like I see this live real time with the knowledge of what this really means and saying like these really inappropriate comments and like blatantly being racist, you know, and in a community that you are um, have been for 30 something years and you were raised in the same community that you're in, I think seeing this this type of spirit <laughs> in a place where children are being molded it breaks my heart it's hard it's like it's something that and I've seen this over and over and over again I've experienced this multiple times I've been working in the school system since I was really in college and undergrad I used to substitute and I substituted in the district that I went to school because I changed uh, districts by blocks, really. And remembering walking in as a substitute teacher and seeing this like gym teacher scream at, uh, I was substituting a bilingual class, scream at them and say, you know, you're like, you either sink or swim and or if now you're always going to be stuck here, you know, and uh, to second graders. Wow yeah that's just mortified (laughs) yeah no I definitely want to say that's definitely heavy because when you work in the school system um and especially in my experience when you work with underserved youth it's really it's really challenging because sometimes they bring a lot of their own trauma to school I feel like as an educator you have to be able to be compassionate and that's definitely not being compassionate but yeah that's that's not good in it and it breaks my heart to you know to think that somebody was saying that and as a teacher you wear you wear many hats so you have to know which hat to put on at any given moment like you have to be able to be flexible exactly exactly and a lot of patients uh, also a lot of patients Mm -hmm. working with children 
Yeah. And so I'm just, yeah, I'm just like, it's just crazy how, you know, you had your experience and then uh, years later, you know, it kind of came back again. And so for this next question, I want to ask you, side of the spectrum, what are some highlights of being a social worker and being able to work in your community? I think the best part is that I came from that community and I, you know, aspired and obtained more. You know, I wanted more for myself. So I think being able to be that, to to know, to have the conversation with them that I know what you're facing and I, I know some of the limitations or the limiting beliefs. But, you know, being able to push through that because if, you know, you you do x y and z you know you can get to where you want to be wherever wherever that is and however that looks like and I think authenticity and being honest and knowing who you are goes a long way because kids see that and feel that so I remember working in the high school um someone telling me like another kid saying like oh are you you know are you Miss Sanchez and I'm like yeah I'm like oh because so and so said came to you because you really care <laughs> and uh-huh. I was like oh. I love that I was like oh thank you you know I'm like um so you know I feel like when you're authentic and you know you speak directly and honestly that you're going to be able to plant seeds that you might you you know I feel like I've been very aware of the seeds that I planted but later on have been able to um to see that in some capacity you know I recently just got an email from a parent that I worked with her with her um with her child and he ended up going to like NJIT and you know it's a, a, a technology school and getting honors and you know, this mom, you know, it was, it, we, she was on top of it. So her and I had a really good relationship as far as that she was pushing and she wanted certain things for her son. And I'm like, okay, like, let's make it happen. And, um, you know, she was so proud of, of his accomplishments and it was so nice. Cause that like almost never happens, you know, that someone reaches out to you years later and says, look, you know, I'm so proud of him and thank you for like being a part of this journey that was so fulfilling um I think that's the best part of it um of being a social worker and seeing how like you because when you're in it and you're like you know you're in the day-to-day and you're trying to get things accomplished it's it's hard almost to be really present 100% in what you're doing and when later on you get these um affirmations of like wow you know thank you it just feels good it I think these are uh, divine little messages that I feel like the most high gives you like you're where you're supposed to be because plenty of times I've, I've been exhausted, burnt out and I've asked myself, what am I doing? <laughs> what, <laughs> like, what, you know, what kind of quality of life this is? I am pouring out and I'm exhausted and I don't even know if I'm making any type of difference. And I felt whenever I hit those walls, it was, I got this message of like, you're, you're on the right path, like, keep going. Yeah, that's beautiful. And then, yeah, I feel like those, honestly, those messages is what keeps us going sometimes, because it's hard to see the work that you're doing, especially like you said, um, um, when you're giving so much and doing so much too, for your community. And that's so beautiful. And Jazz, do you mind sharing um, where you're from? I don't think we mentioned that. 
Oh no. Oh yeah. So my um both my parents are from Puerto Rico. I was um born and raised here. My mom is a New Yorker. She was born and raised in New York. And my father was born um and raised in Puerto Rico and he came in like his early 20s and that's how he met my mom and then here I am. So um my dad is from Aguada, Puerto Rico and uh, my mom is in like different parts of family in Arecibo. Uh, okay, so, beautiful, yeah. beautiful. I just thought I'd mention that just um so that we can get like, you know, just a little bit of context as to where you work and awesome. So you're from New York, you're from the other side, you're from the other side of the country, <laughs> but yeah, it's so cool, but yet we're still here. So yeah. awesome. It's in- yeah. Um so if you had to give a piece of advice to someone that's going into social work or thinking about doing it or is in it already, what's your biggest piece of advice to them? I think, um, no, I know so. One of the biggest thing is that if you're going to go into doing social work and um, you want to become a therapist or you want to work in a school system or you want to work in a hospital, you need to get a therapist right away. <laughs> 911. You start your self-care from the minute you start filling out your application, your grad school apl- application to become a social worker because it took me a very long time to figure out that like self-care and pouring into me was important. I had this bad pattern of, you know, working in the school systems, I have summers off. And it was like, by the time June hit, I was super depleted. And then the summer came and I was able to take care of myself and my days flowed and it was so good. And I like, build myself up with all this energy and then September came (laughs) and I was like I'm gonna keep this going by like mid-October it was a wrap so a few years ago um uh the psychologist that I work with she gave me a a planner for Christmas and I was like oh I'm gonna start doing self-care and tracking it so and then yeah and exploring different types of of um of self-care so when I turned 30 was the first time that I had a massage and I had like a spa like that was like okay we're all gonna go into the spa and uh, being a 30 year old and and feeling having my first massage I was like what why haven't I done this like (laughs) what what took me so long yeah so I started the school system later than most because I worked in hospitals and when I got there I was just very excited and going 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 and um, I started to notice that every year that passed by, seeing the summer, and I wanted the summer to come, and I wanted, I want that, like I want to feel like that. So once I started tracking my self care, then I started to explore like different types of you know self care. So like it wasn't just about getting a mani and a patty, <laughs> yeah, you know. So I'm like, and then I started to really analyze like what was it about the summer like what made me feel good like what what was I doing differently and um so you know I started just to explore different types of ways to take care of myself and then it just I became you know hyper focused on that like uh, okay uh how do I do this like how do I maintain this um self-care and I you know I didn't I don't I never I don't know. I landed on this planet, like I like to say, and I've been taking care of people my whole life. So I 
you know, I, I got the basic needs met from my parents. And, you know, they supported me the best that they knew how. They were very young when they had me. And, you know, they were dealing with their own trauma and learning process. Reality is, like, through therapy and, and analyzing my own patterns is that I was parentified and I've been taking care of other people forever. And I don't, I never knew, like, I hyper-independent. So, like, you know, there was this... um message in my head like I don't need anybody I can do this I can do this I can do this and then I just became exhausted and I'm like no <laughs> like I, I know I can do this but I need help and I want to live a better quality and like what do I do so I started going after two years in the high school I um all the stuff that I hadn't been dealing with and all the big changes that I went through started to to you know I started to hit a wall and I remember like I had insomnia for the first time and I had I couldn't fall asleep for like going almost on three days. So one of the social workers that I worked with, you know, she was telling me because I was taking sleeping aids, nothing was working. Nothing. Yeah. And one of the social workers that I work with, she told me, why don't you try CBT, which is cognitive behavioral therapy? Mm-hmm. And that was the first time that I looked into going to therapy and I started therapy. Awesome. And that was like maybe like thirty five. And, and how did that? And how did that help, Jazz? How did that help your insomnia a little bit? Yes, because I was very intentional too when I was looking for a therapist. And this makes a world of a difference. And and you know this is goes to to I think about this and saying it now that intuitively I know I know what to do. No one taught me this. And I remember thinking, like, I want a Latina. That was very important for me because um, I didn't want to be explaining myself culturally. Mm-hmm. I wanted someone that I can learn from. Um, and I wanted someone that, uh, that, it, that practices different modalities. So cognitive behavioral therapy is like really about how you think, how you behave and like how you can alter or just change your thoughts so you could change your feelings, so you could change your behavior. And with her, I started doing a restorative yoga for the first time. She made me do also a, a vision board. And a funny thing is that I've done vision boards before, but in a therapeutic context, it, it was different. And I realized that I started to see while creating the vision board that I that I had limitations. Like there were certain things that I wasn't ready to put that I said that that to say out loud that I wanted those things. So that was very telling for me. And, um, you know, breathing and I let out a lot of um, energy that I had pinned up from just trauma from, you know, like heartbreak and relationships ending, losing grandparents, getting before I started working in a hospital, I lost two. I lost paternal grandmother and paternal grandfather in one year. So and I had to, you know, be supportive to my parents who lost their parents and that and that was very hard to to witness them in so much pain that way you know and then I ended a long-term relationship and then I got a new job (laughs) and started working so like so many big changes happened and I was just so excited to like be standing on my own two feet and like survived all of that 
that two years it all kind of came crashing like you need to look at this because this is just there and it's surfacing and I felt like I worked in a building that's very big and you know you <laughs> you interact with a lot of people that are projecting and I yeah. noticed that I was reacting and then you start then you are people put you in a box and then start poking you you know and yeah. I wasn't gonna allow somebody to pull my strings so I think that that was a point that I'm like all right I need to I need to deal with this pain body that I'm carrying important to say that because I feel like sometimes we might get triggered off of certain situations or it could be it could be anything and then when we're going through transitionings that can also be very difficult but I did notice something stood out to me when you were saying you said that when you were younger that you were parental can you speak a little bit more of you know what what does that mean well, what it means is basically like you're not allowed to be a kid. <laughs> you know, there was a there was a lot of trauma. My dad was young and just living in and out of the house. And my mom went through, you know, depression and sadness and her trying to figure out and being young. And I just had to grow up fast. They were finally available for me. I had to figure that out on my own and I you know a lot of me growing up in culturally was in New York just leaving to with her family for a little bit and this was in the early stages of my mom's when my mom like started working at you know and got a, a decent a good job working at the bank and like we had babysitters but like it wasn't you know I didn't have really good babysitters so I got the keys to my house at like nine years old <laughs> and it was like all right you go to school you come right away I'm gonna call you at this time and you better be home or if not you know da, 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 da. so I mean that's how you know basically yes my father was always around which is um he used to come pick me up and drop me off and he was very always involved but there was a lot of there was a lot of stuff that I had and I didn't have them available to me or like, are you okay? Or how do you feel? And if I ever expressed myself, it was, you know, minimized or I was like shut down or almost like you're not allowed to feel that because you're just a kid. Um, so that, you know, I, I grew up fast and yeah, I was definitely a lot more emotionally aware than they were. And it is, it honestly, it's not till recent, like in these past couple of years through therapy is that, Therapy was the first time that, you know, someone was saying you weren't emotionally taken care of. And that threw me aback because if you look at trauma and as a social worker, the first thing you think is like uh, physically, you know, being hit or or like neglected that you weren't eating and that you were like pretty much abandoned. And those things didn't happen to me. So I just didn't, you know, realize that that's another aspect of not being taken care of. Yeah, and for sure. And it's hard because I really, to this day, I really can't talk to them about it because they just don't own. So that um, significantly, like just growing growing up and uh, dealing with what I dealt with really conditioned me and had me uh, just constantly over-functioning and giving, 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 giving because I felt like that was maybe like the only way that I was being seen or recognized. So it just became a habit. It's really no no surprise that I became a social worker because I literally been doing that for all my life. Um, yeah. Thank you for sharing, Jazz. I'm sending you a lot of love right now just because um I know that maybe sometimes talking about stuff like this might be challenging, but I want to, you know, I just want to 
really big thank you, especially because um, I could definitely relate to some of the things you were speaking about. And I think that sometimes in underrepresented communities, I feel like it's not talked about enough about, you know, how your home life, you know, when you're young and when you're a child really does affect you when you become an adult. And, you know, some of the things follow you, you know, consciously or unconsciously, you know, we pick up on. So thank you for sharing that. And so I guess this is going to be a pretty good segue on to the next things we're going to be talking about. But I want to talk a little bit more about your own personal healing, your personal development. What does spirituality look like to you? Are you a spiritual person? Or if you can just kind of just talk about that. Yes, definitely. Um, well, I, I definitely spiritual person. I feel like the the good thing, because <laughs> there was good about, well, both my parents, because my dad is too, but my dad is more of like, um, you know, he's always gone to, to church. It's like, it was very Catholic oriented vibe with him. Um, but with my mom, my mom was always searching and we tried out a lot of different types of religion until, you know, spirituality was always something in the forefront. It's weird because I never really, it, it wasn't until the, the, this wave where I felt like a lot more women were talking about their, their spiritualities and their beliefs and their rituals and their practices and what they, you know, what their parents did and, you know, how, how they grew up that I felt comfortable talking about this because I never talked about this with anyone other than like really close friends of mine. And I think my mom did an excellent job at taking care of us energetically. She always like practices herbal medicine. And I remember being little and just taking baths, or, you know, um, baños and just yeah. with different plants. And, you know, it was something a part of my life always. And when I got older, uh, especially when I started working at the in the school system, energetically, I was exhausted and I was in a big environment and there was a lot going on. And I used to tell her like, oh, my God, I feel like this. And she's like, well, you need to do X, Y and Z. And then I'm like, okay, well, I did it. But then like a couple of weeks later, I'm like, but I still feel like this. I'm like, no, this is not a one thing. This is not a one time deal. Like, you know, you have to figure this out. And, you know, she was the one that was like, you need to, she, she said that I was spiritually immature, <laughs> which I was for a long time because she just did the things for me. And like, yeah. I just was like, oh, mom, this is what's going on. All right, this is, you know, and it was done for me. But then at a certain point, I had to take, initiation and, and putting my own intention and understanding what this meant and what you know um the ritual of putting these things together and then figuring out what works for me so then that's where like I feel sage became a big part of my life all the time to like uh neutralize energy especially working in a very heavy setting and and having better um control of like what energy I absorb because I used to like sometimes be a sponge and that's not what I want like that's not what I wanted so I had to take more of and that's where I think she meant as far as being like spiritually immature like you have to make this a daily thing um and then I remember one of the guidance counselors introduced me to uh essential oils 
And I bought a diffuser and it was so good because it was like a whole vibe in my office, <laughs> yeah. you know? And then I remember one time I had a couple of, you know, things going on with like uh, parents or other agencies. And I'm like, you know, I can't stage in my office. Like, what do I do? You know? And my mom was like, well, what you do is you take the stage plan, you boil it and you put it in a bottle and you spray. It. And I was like, oh, duh. <laughs> then... I ended up getting sage oil. So it was like awesome. And then I found Palo Santo oil. And I was like, wait a minute. (laughs) I Um, love that. And um, that's really like been the path for me. And then I just taken, I've taken it and I ran with it. And it's something that it's very dear to me and it's important. And as I, you know, as uh, when I, I've gone to Puerto Rico several times when I was a kid and when I was in college, I would always go in January with my dad and one of his brothers and him and I always used to talk about spirituality. And he told me that my grandmother was like uh, basically a curandera, like she used her hands to heal the, you know, families and children in the community um, if they were sick or, you know, and that was so cool to learn. So, I mean, years later, it, it made all the sense in the world that that. Reiki found me (laughs) and I started doing it and honestly I started um, doing Reiki because I was in in that search or that quest for self-care so I went to this like metaphysical like expo here in Jersey and this older woman she did Reiki on me and it felt like this warm blanket and I'm like wow this is like amazing and then I just started looking into it and then I had it done again And then the second time around was a different experience, but I wanted to know why it was so uncomfortable. And then I just said, I need to learn about this. So um, a colleague of mine, I was telling her about Reiki and she found this class and I, I got, I became certified in it and I just started learning and it was amazing because, you know, there's this life force that is within all of us. And, um, you know, some of us are more aware of it than others, because, again, we live in a world that, like, puts everything in a box, you know, and and it kind of distracts you and stuffs your awareness with, like, distractions and things that really don't matter. So um, it's not until you're feeling heavy or you're feeling some kind of way that if you're really interested in moving that energy out, you start doing your research. And with Reiki, that was like this. I would say that going to therapy emotionally on a psychological level was helpful and allowed me to release things that I was holding on to. But Reiki helped me do it in in an energetic. um, It was like the second wave of releasing in an energetic way it was pretty profound that's so beautiful that's so beautiful you know you sharing your experience with Reiki and I'm gonna backtrack a little bit just because I want to you know talk about how did Reiki find you well you know it was funny because I was home hanging out and one of my friends um her name is Kathy she called me and we we had planned to go to this together, but I was like backing out. I was like, no, I don't, I don't want to go. I'm like home. And I don't know. I feel like I should stay home. And then she called me from there and she was actually there with her mom. I think her mom who, you know, passed. She's like Jasmine because her and she, she had brought me to this Botanica in Patterson. And it was like, it had all different types of denominations, this Botanica. It was awesome. It's really big. It's in Clifton, I think, actually. And we used to always go like, that was our thing. 
And she was like, they're here. Like, you know, all the people that, that and they were actually a family that they're Puerto Rican and um, they've had that botanica for many years. And then the grandchildren took over and they just like flipped it. They made it beautiful. They opened it up to yogi, uh, yo- um, yeah, well, you know, yoga teachers and Reikis and they had all this different type of things going on there. She's like, they're here. You should come. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to go. I'm going to go. So I just got in the car and I went. And, you know, they, they have all these like different tables of, of different practitioners and, you know, started just looking up a, a lot of different, you know, buying books and it was awesome. So this that's when I saw the lady who had this chair and was doing baking. And then um, I'm like, oh, I want to. So Kathy did it and I think her mom did it. And I'm like, oh, I want to do it, too. So I did it. Uh, I'm not. I think Kathy did. I don't remember the order, but I know that I sat there. And when I sat there and it was done, I felt like this crazy, like, energy. It was like this warm, like a warm blanket. Like if somebody threw a warm blanket on you and you were freezing. And, you know, that that, that relief of, like, feeling cozy. So that was my first introduction to it. And it found me because <laughs> I was really, like, uh, so many ways. That, you know, I was like, no, I'm not going to go. I'm going to go. I'm not going to go. I'm going to go. I'm not going to go. <laughs> and it was divine timing, really, because I was supposed to be there. And then I just ended up wanting to know more about it and explore it more. And then it led me to, like, taking the class as an- another um you know, wellness, Diosa, uh, her name is Annie the Alchemist. She talked about Reiki and how she got certified and on um, her journey, her healing journey. And that's what really inspired me to like keep pushing through. And I'm like, well, I want to, you know, I want to get certified too. And then I talked to my friend about it who found like the best, like, you know, how just things flow. She found the like right person for us to do this. And we did the certification together. And then she's like, well, I'm going to keep going for the masters so we can like teach and, you know, also activate other people. And then I was like, no, I'm not going to do that. But then I was like, you know, she kept pushing and then I did it, <laughs> so, which I'm glad. Beautiful. I'm glad. That's beautiful. That's so beautiful. I love that, um, especially because I'm not too familiar with Reiki. I have heard about it, um, but I'm not too familiar with it. So for the folks that are tuning in today, um, could you like just maybe elaborate like what exactly is Reiki? Like how does it work and what are some of the benefits? So Reiki is like the non-physical energy that all animals and all living things have. So it's like I had expressed before, it's our life force. Um, and the the Rei, the R-E-I is a spiritual wisdom, universal mind, God, uh, the supreme being. And the KI of it, key is a life energy, vital life force, or the universal life energy. So it's like we all have this. We all have this um, energy inside of us. And if you think about like when you're in love with someone and, you know, you're affectionate and you hug each other and like the, the feeling that you get is from that life force from animals when you you know that they're so unconditional and they're so loving and we you know when you have a good spirit animals have a good sense too like uh, of knowing if you're like a good person or not you know I, I have this cute funny story that one time I went to go get um my tire fixed in actually in Newark and there was this huge dog his name was Zeus he was black he was ginormous <laughs> animal 
And I, when I got there, they were fixing my tire. I got a little intimidated by Zeus, you know? And I was like, well, you know, is, is he safe? And the guy was like, are you safe, right? And I was like, oh, okay. That's a good way to put it. Right, right. And you know what, the, what Zeus did? He came up to me, looked at me, turned around, and sat right on my feet. So then I was like, excuse me, excuse me, I'm safe. <laughs> Just so you know. Just FYI, I am safe. <laughs> so, you know, it's really about higher consciousness and it's like above the ego. It's about creativity, your purpose, uh, your spiritual healing. Um, the lower level is, you know, the earth, the being on earth that portrays a level of soil and stone. So that's why it's so interesting because earthing and like grounding is very important as part of it. And then the middle section, which would represent the aspect of the three human beings, is like the body, the mind, the spirit. That holistic approach, how like you're really merging all these aspects about like self-actualization, the, uh, the upper, the like healing your, your spirit and, you know, everything else in between um, uh, being present on this planet right now and connecting to earth and connecting to animals and connecting to each other that's why this pandemic is such a um it's such a mind because it's like this whole six feet apart and this whole you can't be with each other and i mean that's that if that's not a psychological like oppression or like breakdown i don't know what is you know yeah um and if you're in tune spiritually to your life force and how much we need each other, like, and how much we, uh, there, there's something to be said about that. So Reiki is a is healing hands. It reduces stress. It uh, regenerates cells. It so helps balance your your chakras. And yeah, I mean, uh, there's a lot of uh, it's a practice too because there's principles that are um, attached to to Reiki. Is it also comes from Japan um Uso is the, the teacher but it, as you look up and if you're interested researching the history of Reiki it was like way before that you know there's yeah. other people that practice that and it's like you know if anything that's part of storytelling and about us being on this planet you know it always goes back to to life force and, and energy and who we are yeah that's so beautiful that's awesome thank you for sharing Jazz and um something that I really appreciated was you bringing up the fact that during this pandemic, um, we are be- we're being told to like, you know, stay away from other people, you know, because it's the safe thing to do. But I also want to mention and name how hard it's been, even for myself. Like, I think at the beginning of the pandemic, I started getting depressed because it was really hard being in isolation for being in isolation for so long and just being in lockdown. Yeah, it, I mean, I know for a lot of people it was. I feel like some of my friends were cracking up. Like this, they were like, "This is a dream come true for you, huh?" And I'm like, "Yeah, yeah, kind of." So honestly, like honestly, 2020, I was good. You know, yeah. I mean, it was hard, but like, um, I don't know. It just, I like being alone. I like being in solitude. I I love like being able to reflect, and and I love being with me. Um, but yes, it took a toll, you know, because I love adventure and I mm-hmm. love traveling and I was about to go to Mexico and like I had, I had gone through really big changes, like another initiation, I moved and there was stuff happening in a good, so I was like ready to get out there. And then the minute I was <laughs> yeah. like, I'm, I'm getting out there. It's like, psych, sit down, siéntate, you're not going nowhere. 
So then that was a little hard, but I kept active. I walked a lot. Like, you know, I, um, we did our like Zoom things, which was so new and fun. I never, yeah. and it's funny because with the whole FaceTime and everything, I think I only FaceTime really with two people, which was my cousin was always FaceTiming me and one of my like, you know, sister, best friends to always FaceTiming me. But during this pandemic, it's like, um, what like my other sister we always talked we never saw we never facetime and now we facetime all the time like now it's like it, it changed the dynamic the way that like we communicate with each other too you know i think i started to take more advantage of that um yeah and i you know it was in and out of being you know drinking the kool-aid like in and out of fear base so that was like yeah. really hard um but, <clears throat> but for me honestly I think 2021 was a kicker for me. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And what, in what way do you think? It was just, um, you know, it, I don't know. I just went through a lot, I think, um, emotionally. And um, I think that I had to set a lot of boundaries and some, um, things started to come in the surface that I really had to, to, to do something about it if I wanted to feel differently. So it wasn't just another initiation. It was just very hard. And again, being um, home changed the way that I wanted to do things. And I honestly didn't want to go back to work, like in the same capacity. Like I love working. I'm a hustler. Like I, but I needed to do something different. And that's how, you know, I joined Christine's mastermind. And that also was a big initiation to like make moves that I was afraid to um and being able to learn how to start a business in a very feminine like way you have to learn a lot of that like over functioning and excessive working and negative behaviors like le- unlearning that because I was exhausted so I was ready to let that go I'm like okay I want to stop that right now yeah um so I um I don't I, I took a leave of absence from the school. I do therapy, telehealth with still with children. I work in the pandemic now and I'm starting my own business. That's awesome. That's so beautiful. That's that's so wonderful, Jazz. And and what I think about that when I think about it is um divine timing and then also going for the things that you love and you know really standing in your truth. So I really yes. appreciate that. I really appreciate that standing in your truth. Um, I listen to Ralph Smart and he always says, speak your truth, even if your voice shakes. Yeah. So I really appreciate <laughs> that. Um, and for those of you tuning in, uh, Jazz and I, we actually met through the Diosa Mastermind that we did with uh, Christine Gutierrez. And so that was a really great experience because we just got to learn a lot of the feminine aspect of running a business, but then also um, learning how to do something that's really unique to yourself. So that was just wonderful. Yes, that was. And, you know, we and I, what I love also about just the experience and, and opening up to this different way of communication is that we were able to link up with each other from different parts of the world. Like if it wasn't for this experience, I don't know, you know, I, I can't say that I would have connected as much as I have. And and my network in like minded goddesses really grew through through this experience. For yeah. sure. Yeah, it's wonderful. And as we're, we're coming up, um, we're, our time is coming to an end. But I do have one more question, um, if you don't mind. 
No. Yeah. Um, so the question is, you know, you mentioned that you took a leave of absence. Um, can I just ask you why you decided to do that? So I, um, this summer I turned 40 and that was like a big, um, transition for me. And I think that, you know, introspectly looking at my life and, and where it was going and what I wanted to do next, um, and, and really having like energetically having an issue with going back to the way that I was living my life. Like I just couldn't do it. And I, you know, it, it, it's always been in my plans. Like I always said, I'm only going to do this for a certain amount of time. And then I'm moving on to this. Right. Um, but I think that that plan came earlier than I thought it would because of the pandemic. It like sped up those plans. And so this summer um, I went to Puerto Rico for like about a month and a half. And it was so amazing. I spent my birthday over there. I went to DR with my family Um and I just was running around the island and I ended up um, just experiencing things and seeing things and, and with a much more clarity. Um, and I, I did like a, an assessment, a, a diagnostic, <laughs> an energy <laughs> diagnostic about like, okay, you know, how, you know, what's my next step going to be like? So when I got back home from PR, it just didn't feel like home anymore. Um and I felt like, you know, there were because of the pandemic and all this effed up regulations and yes and no and right and left and up and down. Um, and this straight up, literally, like we're living in a system that's bullying <laughs> us and taking away our rights to choose. And, um, you know, I, you know, I had mentioned before, I, I am, I am a lion. I am not a follower. And um, if, you know, for me, there's certain things that are hard no's. Like, I don't give a shit who's doing what. <laughs> I've always been like this. And um, there's just certain things that I'm not going to do. So um, when I was getting, when I got back home, I, I was actually uh, going, I got back home and I went straight into a retreat, a uh, retreat that one of my friends was um, hosting. It was so beautiful. Um and before I got in the car to, to drive down to Pennsylvania for this retreat, I just decided that I wasn't going to go back. It wasn't even, there was like no much thought about it. I just said, you know what? I'm not doing this. Meanwhile, I had no idea what I was doing. <laughs> I was like, I have to pay rent. Um, uh, I have to eat and I'm just going to be like, no, I'm not going back. So, I mean, that's the way it flowed. I just said, I'm going to take a leave of absence. Mentally, I can't do it. I've been battling anxiety and like a form of depression. And I felt like if I went back into the system with all the uncertainties that I wasn't going to be at my optimal to be able to like actually help the kids. Right. So if I'm not good, I, I didn't want to put myself in a, in a position that I wasn't going to be right for them. And when you're working with little kids, you know, they sniff that out right away. It's mm -hmm. different. Exactly. So I just decided that I wasn't going to go back. I, I'm not sure, you know, if I'm not going to. I took a year leave so then I could, you know, there's goals that I have to meet um, to get paid more on an independent level, which that's what I'm hyper focused on now. But the thing is that you know, starting doing the Diosa mastermind, it really opened Pandora, 
Pandora's box. It was like, uh, you know, and a lot of stuff started coming out and there were unresolved issues. And I like, I felt some limiting beliefs and there was some insecurities and insecurities. And there was like a lot of things that started to come up that I had to deal with, you know, um, in the same level of trying to build, you know, this business. And um, I just decided that to give, you know, to give myself the grace and the compassion to care for myself so then I could take, you know, I could take my, you know, my dreams, my hopes, my aspirations to the next level. Um, so it was just a decision. So it was the best decision I made. I, I'm still in therapy. And, and then, you know, I work with kids as well. Um, and my days are mine and I get to schedule and, and, and be flexible in the way that best serves me at any given day, which I'm so, so grateful for every single day. And I really want to keep that going. I don't know. I, you know, there's a possibility that I might go back, um, you know, and, 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 and I have a plan for that too. Like it's going to be very intentional and focused, but I'm not sure. Yeah. That's still up in the air. I decide that September 1st. Yeah. <laughs> last, last minute. We're gonna know. <laughs> but as I, of right as of right now, I'm just going to focus on what what's at hand in order for me to propel um, financially. Yeah, no, I, I totally get that, Jess. And thank you so much for sharing that perspective, because I feel like I really admire that about you that, you know, you, you spoke your truth and you said what it was and you took that leap of faith, mm-hmm. you know, in yourself. So I really, I hands down appreciate that, you know, that's something that I always thrive to do, even if it's scary <laughs> sometimes. So thank you so much, Jazz. Um, thank you so much for, you know, coming on here today and talking about your experience as a social worker and a Reiki healing practitioner. It was just wonderful to get insight um, as to the things that you do and not only for yourself, but for your community. So I think I think it's beautiful. And thank you all for listening in today. For those of you who are tuning in. Thanks.